What have we been talking about on Wednesday nights? Courtney, I don't smack girls, but you're tempting me right now. No, we don't talk about We've been talking about Jesus, yes, but what book have we been in? James. We've been talking about the book of James. Here's what we're going to do. Guys, since Nitro has joined us tonight, I need you to tell them what we've been talking about. So let's start with the first week. What did we learn about James the first week? What's that? Caution was the title. What about it? Yes, you're giving me some great random thoughts here. Put it together. Tell me what we learned. Yes, we talked about how the book of James was written to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. That when, when Jesus was crucified, when the early church was being persecuted, they spread. They went out. These are the 12 tribes of Israel. And the first, we looked at the first verse of James, and we learned how James is actually the biological brother of Jesus, and how at one time he didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God. But then he did to the point that he was a leader in the early church, and he actually wrote the book that we find in the Bible. So that's week one. What was next? Week two. Yes, having joy in trials. Thank you. I know you said it first, Mandy. I'm sorry. Yes, week two, we talked about having joy in trials. The idea that no matter what happens in our life, God gives us the ability to still have a joy. Uh, uh, just, uh, just a peace that comes from him. Week three, what did we learn about? Why don't you? Meaning, just do it. Why don't you? The idea that we're not only supposed to hear God's word, but we're supposed to turn around and actually do what we hear. And James actually touches on that again in the verses we're going to look at tonight. What was after that? Three, what were the three D fates? Dead, dumb, and dynamic. Dead, dumb, and dynamic. You're going to have to go online to the church website and listen to that one. I'm not going to explain it. We're just going to leave it there. What's the next one? What's that? Tame. Tame what? The tongue. Tame had that cool picture with the barbed wire around the guy's tongue. It was kind of weird. Yeah, we talked about taming the tongue. That the tongue is incredibly difficult to tame. That we can't do that on our own. That it takes the power of God working through the Holy Spirit in our life to help us learn how to control the things that come out of our mouth and the things that we say and the way that we interact with people. What else? There's one more. Frenemy. What, what is frenemy? Yeah. We talked about the idea that you are either a friend or an enemy of God. When we look at James, it says you can't be both. You've got to be either a friend, you follow him, you love him, you do what he asks of us, you worship him with your life, or you don't, and you're an enemy of God. And we've each got to make that decision. Which one of those are we going to be? See, tonight, this is the last sermon we're going to do in James. Now, there is a, there's a whole other chapter. There's chapter 5, and we're not going to touch that one in here. My challenge to you is starting tonight or starting tomorrow, go back and start in chapter 1 and read the whole book of James. It's five chapters. You could read it all in one sitting or you can do a chapter a day, or you can do half a chapter a day. It depends on how long you want to spread it out. But go back and read through the book of James. Read those five chapters, because James, time and time again, shows us just basic, practical things of how we can live out our faith, of how we can put into practice what we say we believe on a daily basis. And tonight, what he's talking about is plans. You see, we all make plans, don't we? Every single one of us, some of them are better than others, but every one of us, we get an idea in our head, 
And then we start this thought process that tries to figure out a way to how to make that idea a reality. And the way that ends up is we make plans. Now, like I said, some of us make better plans than others. In fact, I found when I was looking earlier about some guys that made plans specifically to do criminal activity, and they weren't very well thought out plans. Go ahead and show that first picture, Mr. Billy. In case you're wondering what's going on here, this was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It says three men backed a stolen vehicle through the glass front of a gas station. Their intent was to steal the ATM. What they didn't realize is the ATMs are bolted into the ground. So it says after some thought, they tied a rope around the machine and attached it to the vehicle, but still could not dislodge it. They left empty-handed, and the ATM was still working the next day when people showed up. They had an idea, but their plan was not very well thought out. How about the next one? Show the next one. Peter Addison was here. Listen to this. This was in Adlington, England. It says, Peter Addison and his friend Mark Ridgway vandalized a, a children's campsite building. They smashed pots and pans. They set off fire extinguishers and drew graffiti on the walls. Part of the graffiti said, Peter Addison was here. After they broke into the place, police found Addison through a computer database. Both teenagers pled guilty and were ordered to pay for the damage. Now, the inspector, he said, this crime is up there with the dumbest of all in the criminal league table. There are some pretty stupid criminals around, but to leave your own name at the scene of the crime takes the biscuit. This guy's British. We wouldn't say takes the biscuit, but that's what he said. Or how about the next one? I, I kind of like this one. You see, you see what's going on here? This was in Raleigh, North Carolina. There had been a stabbing. Hold on. And police were on the scene talking to a woman who had been a witness to the crime. 38-year-old Anthony William jumped into the woman's car and drove away. He was arrested the next day, easily identified by the cops who saw him steal the car. He stole a car from a crime scene where the police were standing there. Real well thought out plan. There was another one. I didn't even put it up here. There was a guy. He, was, he had a warrant out for his arrest, so he stole a car to get to the police station to turn himself in. Go figure that one out. Or this one, of all the ones I found, this one was my favorite. Show the next one. This guy's got his face done with duct tape. This was in Ashland, Kentucky. Police say Casey Kazee entered Shamrock Liquors and attempted to rob the store. Employees were astonished that he had disguised his face by wrapping it in duct tape. The store manager chased him out with a baseball bat, and an employee held him in the parking lot until police arrived. Police removed the duct tape after taking pictures and arrested him. Who de the gentleman denied any memory of the incident. He claimed it never even happened. He didn't even know it was there. You see, these, these guys... These guys had ideas. Some thought popped in their head, hey, this is a really good idea and I need to do something here. But then as those ideas began to develop, they started making a plan. And as we see, the plans that they made weren't the smartest ones in the world. Now, I hope your plans work out better than some of these. Of course, I hope you're not trying to rob people and you'll be okay. But you see, James talks about plans, guys, because plans are something that every one of us make. In our life, at some point, you're making plans. In fact, the, 
the, the whole reason you're sitting here tonight is because you planned to be. The whole reason right now this whole thing is even happening is because we sat down and made a plan of what music was going to be played and what game and what passage of scripture we were going to look at. We even planned the foods and the drinks in the back. We planned all of this. You see, everything that we do has some kind of plan. Even when you say you're being spontaneous and you're just doing something, that just means you've planned to throw caution to the wind and do it. Every single one of us makes plans. And that's where James starts tonight. In the very first verse of James 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 13, he recognizes the obvious. He says, we make plans. Here's what the verse says. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You see, James, what he's talking about here, just so you get an idea of, of some of the people he's writing about, back during this time when James wrote this, he's writing this to some of the business people, some of the Christians that, that were businessmen and businesswomen. And what they would do is they would make these plans. In order to have a business, some of you, your, your parents own businesses or work in a business, you know to be successful, you've got to have a business plan. You've got to know where you're going in the future, what you're going to try and sell, how you're going to make money. And that's what these early Christians were doing too. And James is saying, okay, guys, you're making these plans. You're planning where you're going to go, when you're going to go there, how long you're going to stay, what you're going to do while you're there. We do that, don't we? Anybody here ever been on vacation? You just get in the car and drive? Now, I know some of you, your parents have done that. But most of the time, your parents decide where you're going to go, how long you're going to stay there, where you're going to stay, what you're going to do while you're there, and when you're going to come home. See, every one of us makes plans. And that's what James has recognized. He said, guys, you're going to make plans. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, as we look at Scripture, there's an expectation that we make plans in our life. It says it in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 20. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. Talking about somebody planning. It says also in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. When you're planning, when you're working with other people. There's another verse in Proverbs 21, 5. It says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. You see, we can look at those verses and see that, that at some aspect of our life, God expects us to plan. He expects us to get an idea, to go through that process, and actually come up with the actions that we're going to do to make that happen. And we know that's the case, guys, because God himself made plans. There's verses in Scripture that say that too. In Acts Chapter 2, verse 22, it says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So God makes plans too. We see it again in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what it is the plan 
of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You see, God, God is not a God of randomness and a God of chaos. He is a God of planning. He is a God who had a plan from before he created the earth, before he created humankind, God had a plan of how he was going to restore humanity to himself. And that was through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. So if we're made in the image of God, it makes sense that we would be planners too. For the type A personalities that have to know every detail of where you're going and what you're going to do, you're in good company. God's a planner too, okay? But that's, that's, that's the amazing thing that James is showing us here, that it's okay. You don't have to be spontaneous all the time. You don't have to throw caution to the wind and just go do what everything pops up in front of you. You can make plans. It's all right. God did the same thing. But he's also recognizing this. In the next verse, our plans, they're guesses. Your plan, my plan, they're only guesses. Look at verse 14 in chapter 4. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. When we make plans, when you and I sit down and come up with a plan to do anything, the reality is we're guessing. There is not one person in this room that can tell me with 100% certainty exactly what you're going to do tomorrow. Now, you may think, okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to eat breakfast, I'm going to go to school, I might do my homework on the way to school, I'm going to get to school, I'm going to go throughout my day, maybe go to practice afterwards, maybe go to work, maybe do all these different things, go home, eat dinner, go to bed, that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. But you don't know if that's really what's going to happen. You've based your plans on past experience, and that's what he was saying these business people were doing. They've done these trips before. So they've got an idea of what they're going to do the next time. But in reality, we don't really know what's going to happen the next day. We have no idea what God's going to do in our life. We have no idea what surprise or great thing or accident or tragedy. We just don't know. And that's what he's talking about there when he says, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? It's like, it's like that knock-knock joke. Everybody in this room has heard it. Knock, knock, who's there? Banana. Knock, knock, banana. Knock, knock, orange. Orange, you glad I didn't say banana? Now, now, hold on, hold on. The first time you ever heard that joke, your thought process before orange was said, you're already thinking, oh, they're going to say banana again. Because your mind was already planning based on experience. I see James is telling us we can't really do that because we don't know what's going to happen. Before you knew that orange punchline was coming, you had already made plans. And then that orange comes out of left field and you don't know what happened. The whole thing changed. That's what can happen to any one of us at any time, guys. And he goes on to say, even in our plans, we've got to remember what a short life we have. He compares it to a mist or a fog. How many of you have ever been driving to school in the morning or riding with your parents and it is just a thick fog? You can't hardly see past the car. Raise your hand. Last week, okay? It happens a lot. Now, 
When you drive home that day, is that fog still there? Most of the time it's gone. Most of the time. 99% of the time. It's a general rule. All right, that's good enough. But the fact is, that mist is gone. That fog has disappeared. There's no trace of it anywhere. Now that morning, it was there, it was present, it was very real in your life, but by that afternoon, it's like it never happened. James is saying that's what our life is like. That when you look, when you look at the entirety of Scripture and when you look at the, at the entirety of who God is, this, this omnipresent, this forever eternal God, we're like one little dot in the fabric of the timeline of who God is. Tiny little pinprick. James is saying that's our life. It's that small. It's that quick. And we've got to remember that. When we're making plans, when we're trying to, to, to decide what we're going to do and where we're going to go and what we're going to be, we've got to remember that we're not promised tomorrow. For those of you who go to school here at, at North Florida Christian or we're in the church here at North Florida Baptist Church for any time, you've heard of Miss Peggy Golightly. We had her funeral last week. She was not an old woman, not by a long shot. But just like that, she didn't plan to have cancer. She didn't plan to have to go through that. She probably planned to live a lot longer. But it reminds us that we're not guaranteed our plans, that God is the one who sets what's going on in our life. Proverbs, again, I love the book of Proverbs. Proverbs reminds us of this fact in chapter 27, verse 1. It says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. We have no idea. So when we make our plans, we've got to keep something else in mind. And that's what James shows us next, is that our plans, they must start with God. They have to. He says in James 4, verse 15, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. See, what happens is many times we just make our plans. We get an idea. We start thinking about what college we want to go to. And we'll research 15 different colleges. And we'll go visit half of those. And we'll talk to people. And we'll decide what town we want to live in while we go to college. And then we'll make a decision of where we're going to school. Or we'll date all kinds of people because we're hoping to find that one person we're going to marry one day. And we date this person and this person and this person and start making our plans of what our spouse is going to look like. Or we decide when it's time to take a job. We look at where the job is, how much the job pays. We look at all kinds of different options. And then once we have decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what makes me happy. This is what makes me comfortable. Then we turn around and go, okay, God, here's what I'm going to do. Can you bless it? But you see, this is telling us that it doesn't work that way. That we're supposed to start with God. That we're supposed to go to him first. He is the one that created us. He is the one that knows us better than anybody in this world ever will. He knows the desires, the life that he has planned for us that will bring him glory and honor through the things that we do for him. Why wouldn't we want to start there? That's what James is telling us. He's saying, if the Lord wills, now understand this, you do not have to say if the Lord wills about everything that comes out of your mouth. Well, if the Lord wills, I will wake up and have frosted flakes this morning. 
If the Lord wills, I will put on my flip-flops instead of my tennis shoes today. If the Lord wills, I will go to the bathroom before I wet my pants. You don't have to do that. Just understand that. You don't have to say if the Lord wills about every statement that comes out of your mouth about what you may or may not do. What? No. (laughs) Okay, we're getting lost here. Hey, guys. But what Scripture tries to show us is it's not just the phrase coming out of our mouth. It's a lifestyle. It's a mindset. We see it in the life of Paul. As you look at different spots in the New Testament, there's time when he says that statement. He says, if the Lord wills or if it is God's will, and there's other times he doesn't when he's making plans. Let me read a couple of them for you. In Acts chapter 18, verse 21, he says, but on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. In 1 Corinthians 4.19, he says, But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of the, these arrogant people, but their power. But then if you go over to Acts 19.21, he doesn't say it. He makes plans. He says, Now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. See, there, there is no if the Lord wills in that statement. It happens again in Romans 15, 28. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. You see, what, what we're seeing in the life of Paul is, is what God really wants in all of our lives. It's just a complete 100% submission of our will to God's. It's understanding that everything that we do, everything that we are, is really if the Lord wills. You see, when we have that mindset, when we have that approach to who God is and what he wants us to be, we don't have to say that every single time we say something about what we're going to do because it's already there. We're already seeking God first. So most of the time, what we're planning to do will be what the Lord wills because you're already following what he wants for your life. Proverbs again Love the book of Proverbs. It tells us this, Proverbs 16, 3. Commit your walk to the Lord and your plans will be established. Follow God and God will show you where he wants you to go. Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. We have a relationship with God. He is our foundation. If we say... I was a sinner, I still am, but I know Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins. He paid that price. I'm alive in him because he rose from the grave and he conquered death and he conquered sin and I'm forgiven because of that. God is our foundation. And everything that we are and everything that we do is supposed to be based on that. When we're making decisions about colleges or boyfriends or girlfriends or jobs or what party we're going to go to or where we're going to do over the weekend, it starts with what God wants for us and what his plan is for our life. And you want to know, you, you know where you find that out? Right here in his word. That's where he gives it to us. That's why it says we're supposed to say if the Lord wills because that's where we're supposed to start. 
And I, let, let me echo something Pastor Ray said on Sunday morning. There's a lot of times that God presents us with opportunities, and they're opportunities that don't make us feel comfortable. And we'll use lines like, okay, I just need to pray about that for a little while. I'll get back to you. Or you know what, I just, I, I'm just not, I don't have a peace about that. I'm not sure God wants me to do that. Understand something. Most of the time, the peace doesn't come before you follow God. It comes after you take a step and follow God. That peace that we're looking for, that just, okay, I know God wants me to do this. A lot of the times, you got to take that step of faith, and then you receive the peace. we got to remember that. And there's going to be times when you know God's calling you to do something, and it is going to scare the living daylights out of you. But after you make the decision, you're going to wonder why you ever doubted. Act when God's given you an opportunity. Take the chance. If God doesn't want you doing it, he's going to shut the door. He's going to show you, number one, that either you're really bad at it, and you probably shouldn't have been doing it in the first place, or maybe you're not as bad as you think, and he wants you to get better at what he's calling you to do. We've got to look for those opportunities. We've got to take those opportunities when God presents them to us. We plan our ways, but it's God who establishes our steps. He's the one that knows where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do. And when you follow him, you will never be sorry. It may not be what you had planned. It may not be how you thought your life was going to play out. But you will not be sorry when you follow God. And he gives us one more thing in James chapter 4. All of this, all of these plans, this decision to follow God first, the choice is up to us. We have a decision to make. Are we going to follow God or are we going to do what we want to do? James says this in the last verse, or 16 and 17, the last two. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Now James is kind of echoing what he said a couple chapters earlier about the being hearers and doers. That if you look at yourself and you see what you look like and you walk away from that mirror and you forget what you look like, you say, and that's what we are when we look at the word of God. We see what God wants us to do and then we close that book and we act like we never heard anything from God. He's telling us right here that if that's the case, if that's what we do, my, not my words, his. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. We have a choice to make. We have a decision to make. When God talks to us, when God comes to us and shows us through his word or shows us through a worship song or shows us through counsel for somebody who's walked with God a lot longer than we have, when he shows us what he wants us to do, and we ignore him, he says, guys, you're sinning. That's not the plan. We have a choice to make. And my question to you tonight is, what is your choice? Because even if you sit here tonight and say, you know what, I'm not going to make a choice. You're making a choice. You can choose to follow God with everything you have. You can choose to have that lifestyle that says, if the Lord wills. I'm going to do this if God wants me to. 
You can choose to step out on faith and do those things that scare you to death, but you know God wants you to do it. Or you can choose to do nothing. And you can keep living the way you want to, doing what you want to do, but you've got a God that created you. We've got a God that loves us. We are the pinnacle of his creation. We were the last thing. We are the only thing that God looked at and said, it is very good. When we've got a God that loves us that much, how can we not trust him to take us in the right direction? You guys bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to ask you to be honest for a second. How many of you in here would say, you know what? I know God wants me to do something. I know he's been telling me to follow him. He's shown me. He's told me. But I'm not really doing it. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to pray for you. Pray that God will give you the strength and the courage to follow him. Raise your hand if that's you. You know God's calling you to do something, but you don't really want to do it. Okay? How many of you in here tonight, you've never followed God because you don't really know God? You don't know this God that sent his son to die on the cross for each and every one of us, for the sin that is in our lives, for the things that we do every day that honor us and not God. But you want a relationship. You want to know what it looks like to follow him. I want to ask you to raise your hand if that's you tonight. you just raised your hand in that last group, I'm going to challenge you. As soon as everybody stands to sing, step out of your seat. Be bold. Be courageous. And come talk to one of our adults. Miss Diana, Miss Kathleen, myself, Mr. Billy, Mr. Dean, come see one of us. And let us help you take that step towards following God. God, I thank you for this group. God, you, uh, you brought everybody here tonight for a reason. And Lord, your word tells us that if we will simply follow you, if we will seek after you instead of all the things that look like you, God, you're going to lead us where you want us to go. And God, for those here who raised their hand tonight, God, I've, I've, I've been there. God, you call, you're calling so many in this room to do something for you, and it's scary. God, I pray that you will just give them the courage. God, give them the strength. Give them the boldness just to take that step so they can see the amazing things that you're going to do in them and through them just because they followed you. And God, for the ones that raised their hand that don't know you yet but want to, God, give them the courage to stand up and come talk to one of our adults, Lord. My prayer tonight is that none of us leave here the same way we came into this room, God. That every single one of us makes a choice. God, we love you. We thank you. And if you're here tonight and you've just got a prayer request, something you want us to pray for, we do it every week. Take that green card by your chair and write it down and just put it in the basket up here at the front while the music's playing. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.